In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm joined by Atlanta United players Chris Goslin and Andrew Carlton, who are just got back from India in the past couple of days after competing in the Under-17 uh, World Cup. The U.S. with Carlton and Goslin advanced to the quarterfinals where they were defeated by England 4-1. to Guys, how are you? Um, good. I'm happy to be back. Um, just getting back into the swing of things and it's exciting to come back right before uh, playoffs. So hopefully we'll be able to make a good run at the championship. Yeah, it's good to be back, you know, just in time for playoffs, as Andrew said. You know, just happy to make a playoff run. What was the biggest takeaway from the Under-17 World Cup for y'all? What was the biggest lesson learned? Um, I mean, just to be able to compete against the best players in the world at your age. I mean, you're going against the best of the best and you're being able to test your ability compared to guys that play in top clubs in Europe, you know. And um, just to be able to be in the spotlight, be the center of attention, you know, um, and to be able to, to compete and make a deep run and give um, people back home hope that there is a bright future coming for the U.S. soccer. Yeah, as Andrew said, it's just like, what an honor, you know, to play for the U.S. in a World Cup. You know, many people, you know, they don't get the chance to play in a World Cup. And in such a tournament that many great players have played in, you know, like Iniesta, Ronaldinho, and playing against, like, the best players at your age group. And it was just really good to, you know, represent the U.S. in such a big tournament. Now, both of y'all played well, uh, I thought, watching the games, and you were singled out by people who were covering the tournament um, as having, you know, fantastic performances. It seems like the U.S. really missed you, I guess, England, uh, in the center of the park. Andrew had a couple of really great games also, and, and some, some good moments against England also. Was, y'all kind of got put behind the, the eight ball a little bit after they scored so quickly. I assume that changed everything that y'all were trying to do in that yeah, game. Um, we kind of our kind of game plan we, we felt like we were one of the fittest teams in the tournament and going into the game we thought um, the longer we could keep it close the better of a chance we'd have as maybe the final 20 30 minutes we'd be able to outrun them and outplay them and um, unfortunately came out <clears throat> a little slow and gave up two early goal goals and from there on we were kind of fighting to get back in the game which made it hard but i felt like final um at final 20, 25 minutes of the half, we mm -hmm. had chances to make it 2-1 yeah. and go on. And from there, anything is possible. Right. I think y'all hit the bar or came close yeah, to hitting the bar. Yeah, hit the bar and missed a couple of good uh, opportunities. And and that's just how soccer goes. Right. If you don't capitalize on your chances, it's hard to win games. And um, We'd have been executing well earlier in the tournament, which was bringing us success. And um, I think... Without Chris there, it obviously hurt um, defensively, especially. Um, they were able to, to kind of get out of back line 
um, easier than other teams have in the tournament. Which, I mean, to be fair, England's maybe probably the best team mm-hmm. um, at our age group, and they played a really good game, and so it made it difficult for us. Yeah, you know, watching the game, I just felt like we were just a bit unlucky. You know, the first goal, it was kind of a save that ended up dropping right to the striker and, you know, just tucked it away. The other one was just a sloppy giveaway and then a counterattack. But, like, watching the game the whole time, I felt like we were still in it. And even at 3-1, I was like, all right, this is it. Like, we're coming back, to Mm -hmm. be honest. And, yeah, we were just there the whole time. Honestly, I don't think it was a 4-1 game, you know. We were just unlucky in the goals and unlucky not to find the back of the net ourselves. I felt like we had plenty of chances, but it was just wasn't our day. Now, how difficult were the conditions in India that they kept flashing the temperature and humidity up and it was like 90 and 80, 90 and 70, things like that. Was it that hard to play in? And Because people are going to wonder about Qatar, yeah. for example. It's going to be similar there. Oh, I can, I can guarantee you it wasn't as bad as Qatar will be. <laughs> it was still... It was hard to play. I mean, luckily, um, games were at 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, India time, and most of our games were at 8, so it wasn't um, as terrible as playing at 5 would have been, but it's still, it's humid, it's hot, and <clears throat> I mean, to have water breaks at 8 p.m. game kind of states how, how hot it was and how challenging it was to be able to run just for 90 minutes, which we were hoping training in Florida, at Bradenton for the past two years, um, we were kind of used to it and hoping that would help us against England, but unfortunately, um, it's, I mean, coming out two early goals, really, right. but as I said, just killed us. Yeah, made it hard. Yeah, we were really fortunate, as Andrew said, to play at eight because those five o'clock games just looked absolutely brutal. And even in the Ghana game, we were looking up, you know, 35 minutes in, like, wow, we got a whole other second half. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it was actually really hot. And Qatar will definitely be a whole lot hotter because training in Dubai a week before the World Cup was brutal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was absolutely What were the temperatures there? Hundreds, high 90s. Yeah, oh, wow. one training was like 104. Yeah. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. Now, where did y'all watch the U.S. Trinidad and Tobago game? Um, we actually were asleep during while the game was going on. The game was at 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, our time and we woke up checked our phones and we're all just completely baffled of how we went from um, what looked like almost game had to completely fall apart right to not qualify everything had to go wrong and then to wake up and all of a sudden it, it did um, we were all just kind of shocked um, and then a few of us in a wa- watched the replay on the TVs that they were shown there. Um, but as I said, we didn't get to watch it live, but waking up and checking our phones and going through Twitter and everything, we were sh- so shocked to be able to see that. Yeah, it was just really surprising, you know, after all the results that happened for us to actually, you know, not qualify. It was just... Just the worst feeling, like the first half of that day, everyone was just quiet, just couldn't really believe it, to be honest. I mean, to see like the the uh, Panama goal that they called yeah. Yeah. that just nowhere close to a goal. Right. It just kind of shows that all of the crazy things that had to happen. I and mean, sometimes God just has a plan and it's gonna happen no matter what, so. Yeah. Well now, 
everyone's kind of looking at y'all's generation and the results in the under 17 World Cup because likely the core of, of y'all's group is gonna be the core of the group that will be the ones trying to qualify for Qatar. And well, you have to qualify for the 2026 World Cup if it is in the US, yeah. you'll get, I'm assuming you're gonna get the automatic bid, even though there's three countries. Um, are, is there any pressure? Is that something that you're already thinking about? Um, yeah, that was one of the things um, we, as a team um, in India talked about was even though the men's team didn't qualify, it opens up a lot of doors for the younger guys. I mean, um, the older guys will have to kind of, I guess, move on or whatever their right. plan is for them. Right. Uh, who knows? But um, opens up doors for the younger guys to step in a little bit earlier than a normal year or two early mm -hmm. and to be able to grow and be able to get into the system. And hopefully that extra year or two helps us in the long run and be able to um, get a team together that has good chemistry and fights for one another and uh, I think we have the talent there to be able to produce a good team so hopefully we'll be able to put some pieces together and hopefully me, Chris and I both are a part of that uh, picture and I mean we hope to be so um, we're excited to see what's to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's all excitement, you know, especially from the group going into the Paraguay game, you know, everyone's saying, you know, the first team didn't qualify, let's see what they do, you know, round 16. And it was just all excitement. Everybody was just ready to show and prove, you know, what we have and what we have got. And um, it's all excitement from us going forward, you know, with possible first team call-ups, you know, from guys on our team and uh, international camps and stuff with them. So, I mean, it's just exciting. We're just looking forward to the future. Now think back to Bradenton. How long ago does that seem for y'all? Because you've had, I don't, odd is probably the best word, going from Atlanta United to the different training camps and the different tournaments to everything. It, you haven't been able to, you know, to actually put your feet down and stay at one place for, for too long. Yeah. How long ago does that whole training camp seem to y'all now? Feels, it feels like it's been a while, but at the same time, it feels like it was just yesterday. I mean, um, just uh, after kind of got eliminated and um, kind of realized our journey was over, and we went to talking about memories and all types of things, that residency and mm -hmm. all that, and just be able to have all the memories flash back. It was, felt like it was just yesterday that we were starting a residency and starting this journey. So it. It seems like it was so long ago, but at the same time, it just feels like it just started. Right. Yeah, as Andrew said, it just feels like the other day, you know, talking about the first day in our dorms, you know, talking about first day of school with guys. It just feels like we just landed in Bradenton. But it feels <laughs> like it was like a year ago, honestly. Right. I mean, how nice will it be next year to kind of be able to focus on your professional careers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely be different. I mean, this year um, we would be kind of bouncing back and forth between teams and um, it'd be a week or two here, then a week or two there. And I mean, it'll be nice next year to um, be able to focus mostly completely on Atlanta United. I mean, maybe there'll be camps for us with the national team at mm -hmm. whatever level. Right. Um, but I mean, for the most part, we'll be here in Atlanta and be um, focused on 100% on the team and who knows after that I mean um, the longer you're here the more um, together with the group you are and from there who, who knows uh, what will happen. Yeah it'll be really nice you know with the World Cup ending and all of that to actually stay in one place because 
it was really hard this season, you know. We would come back for maybe a week and then be gone again with the national team. Mm -hmm. So being in one place, you know, training with the team day in, day out should be really good next season. Now, the two, you're the two youngest guys mm -hmm. on the team. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Everyone is floating theories as to what needs to happen for the U.S. to improve, uh -huh. to never miss a World Cup again, and to become a, a power in world soccer. A lot of theories about youth soccer, the pay-to-play model, all that needs to be eliminated. As guys who you know were recently some of these young guys playing, yeah. what do y'all think needs to happen for U.S. to the U.S. to improve? Um, personally, I think I see things different than maybe most people do. I honestly think the um, overcoaching uh, I think is used quite a bit in the US and that people say coaches overcoach and I think it's true that sometimes US teams look like they're um, kind of robotic mm -hmm. you get the ball here you have to play it here and you have to do this and that and I think the best teams in the world do things that you would just never expect them to do in that moment and I think um, for instance we were playing against Mali who is a team that's just kind of came out of nowhere recently. Their youth teams have done really, really well. Mm -hmm. And the way they played, they just played so freely, so ebb and flow, and we, we had a hard time dealing with it. And um, it was a game right before um, the World Cup, and they just played soccer how soccer is meant to be played, really free-flowing and creative. And I think that's what U.S. soccer needs more of, is more instead of when you get it here, play here, and then do this and that. And, just think um, less like a robot mm -hmm. or as a, a soccer player, you know, very creative and a free-flowing mindset. So just spend a little more training on improving technical ability and just playing rather than yeah, focusing more, on the tactics yeah. and things like that at, at a younger age. Yeah, definitely more at a, at a younger age. I feel like um, that there needs to be more just go out and play soccer more. Um, Don't worry about results so yeah, much. And, especially at a youth level right. and academy or whatever the level is until really qualifying for the World Cup is really the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what we need more of. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, when this question came up, I thought about Molly, just like Andrew did, because when we played them, it was like, it was actually so eye-opening. Like, they literally just played soccer. Like, they didn't care if they lost the ball. They didn't care about tactics, really. The coach was literally just saying, you know, connect it, move it. They were just playing soccer. And I think in the younger level, people focus on, you know, results too much. You know, we need to win this, we need to win that. But it's really about development. Mm -hmm. So I think at the younger age, if they really just focus more on development, more than results, I think we'll get there. And honestly, the talent in this country, like we have it. Like with our age group and the younger ones coming through, I think one day we'll eventually will win the World Cup and definitely we'll be qualifying for the World Cups. But yeah, as Andrew said, um, in other countries, they just play, to be honest. They don't really care about results. Guys on Brazil, when we played them, every time they get the ball, they'll just run at you if you're their winger. They don't care if they lose the ball. But in the U.S., I feel like guys are worried about, you know, playing time if they lose the ball too much. You know, if they lose the ball and they go score, they worry about that. But in other countries, I feel like they don't. They just play. I, I think whenever you, you look at some of the best players in the world, um, best attackers in the world, the amount of times that they'll give the ball away in the game trying to make something happen is pretty high. They'll give it away five, six, seven times a game going at players one-on-one -on -one or trying this through ball that doesn't come off. But the one or two times that it works – 
it's all over Twitter, all over everything. Like, wow, look at this amazing play. And I think in the U.S., if you try to um, make something like that happen and it doesn't come off, I think you get criticized. Yeah. Or as a coach is kind of like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Just keep it rotated. Um, X Y Z whatever yeah. whatever it is, and that's that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah, opinion. no, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. Sees it differently, yeah. but that's I know how how I feel about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. There are many times that I've watched the U.S. senior team, and it just seemed to me they're doing what they've seen other teams do tactically, mm-hmm. but at this point they don't really understand why they're doing it. Yeah, there's nothing, there's no result in sight. Yeah. You know, um, and those have just been singular moments. And there's also been times while y'all were gone for the residency that I've been watching Atlanta United, and I've tweeted out, "They need Carlton right now to take somebody one on one to create something." Because I remember the U.S. Open Cup yeah. against Miami that led to the goal. You took on uh, Poku mm-hmm. and got the penalty or got the cross or something. I can't remember how the goal was scored, but that led to the goal. Um, so just things like that. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you. Well, we're gonna, we've been here for 16 minutes, so we're going to wrap this up. I do need to say Atlanta United is hosting Columbus on Thursday in Mercedes-Benz in the first round of the MLS playoffs. Were you all able to follow the team while you all were in India? Yeah, it was, it was hard to watch the games because it wasn't on TV there, but definitely every time we played, we would be following on Twitter and on social media and stuff. Yeah, definitely. We were always following the team, you know, sending good luck texts before games if we could. But, yeah, definitely following our team. Excited for the game on Thursday, too. Yeah, 70, I think it's going to be another sellout. It's going to be another record, Mm -hmm. attendance record for Atlanta United. It should be a heck of a game because both teams play such similar styles. Yeah, it's crazy to support that. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Anything y'all want to promote on social media, anything? Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> Carlton 7 Yeah, follow me on Instagram, underscore Chris Gosland. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And again, it's Atlanta United versus Columbus, 7 p.m. Thursday. It'll be uh, broadcast on ESPN2. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,